Robinson, Sabonis, two-man game inside. Domas, dominant, dynamite inside on that one. Not afraid, and he got some dog in. And the steal, they can tie it with a three. Murray, yes! A Murray miracle in the desert! Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez, and we got a local guy on here today. Drew, what's up, what's up? Hi. Um, dude, it's just always great to be back, man. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, appreciate the people already here in the live stream. Anybody listening on audio, there's a YouTube site as well. Live streaming <laughs> today. King's Film Room High. Bryant West. Why haven't the King's side Jordan Ford yet? We'll talk about Jordan Ford a little bit at some point today. Mm-hmm. Um, but the news of today that we're mainly going to cover is that the King's signed New Orleans Noel to a one-year $3.1 million deal, according to... Woj, but we don't know, as was pointed out on the last King's Beat episode with the great uh, Hambros, that we don't know if that's a guaranteed deal. Um, that mm-hmm. could totally just be a training camp deal. Um, and we don't know if it's a training camp deal either. It could be a guaranteed deal. So we, we don't know the specifics here, um, but I think it was smart of them to point out the whole, you know, Noel gets signed and I'm guilty of this too. Like, oh, there's one spot left. And one and two way, not exactly how it works. You can get up to 21 if you include your three two ways um, right. into training camp. And right. Sean, I guess we can also share this as well um, to answer Brian's question. Sean did say on the last episode, uh, King's Beat episode, that Jordan Ford, he said, at very least, will be in training camp. We don't know the specifics of exactly what that means for a deal, but Sean Cunningham, who would know, says that Jordan Ford will be in training camp. For the Kings. You hear that, Bryant? Bryant, this is two consecutive Kings training camps in which a St. Mary's Gale will be taking part. I, I mean, what else? Well, I was going to say, what else would you want? But obviously, it's the, the answer is obvious. You would want Jordan Ford to actually make the team. So, yeah. Great moment for you guys. Yeah. I'm just, you know. Yeah. And, as, and as a St. Mary's fan, by extension, obviously, this is big for you, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you remember of the course. days of you remember the days of Diamond Simpson and Omar Samhan, Diamond Mickey McConnell. Simpson. Diamond Simpson, yeah. uh, all-time school leader in blocks. He was on one of the first teams I watched there. Of course, Patty Mills, you know, St. Mary's legend. And then you have guys like Emmett Nar, Matthew Delvadova, you know, I mean the list goes on and on. Tanner Krebs, really good role player. Um yeah, just man, god, just being a St. Mary's fan, man, it's 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 been pretty awesome. You know, zero Sweet 16 appearances since 2010. But oh, you know, we, we don't like left that thought. part we, out. Yeah, but I mean, you know, other than that, it's pretty it's pretty fun. School of like 4,000 kids, and they get to the NCAA tournament every year. Pretty big accomplishment. We're turning this into the St. Mary's Gales Pulse podcast, but that's okay. It's been that since Bryant was <laughs> co-host for uh, who knows how long ago that was. Um, so that's been the case and definitely not complaining. But Nerland's Noel, another guy that will be at least a part of training camp. Um, didn't play very much last year. Um, he signed a 10-day at the end of the year with Brooklyn, uh, played three games. I went back and watched some of those. Um, yeah, I watched them. That's... Um, <laughs> And he played 14 games with Detroit earlier in the year. And I think that, you know, obviously they have a log jam of bigs with the great 
Marvin Bagley, the third, yes. uh, James Wiseman, Jalen Duran, Isaiah Stewart, lots of bigs and definitely uh, prioritizing, you know, their, their future. Yeah. They're a tanking team. I don't know why I'm sugarcoating. Yeah. Who cares? Right. Um, they were tanking and trying to play the young guys. I will say if Noel was good enough, I'm sure they would have played him. I don't think they wanted to be as bad necessarily as they were. Right. Um, and yeah, I guess to go back to those Brooklyn games, you can't take anything from those dude. Like he, his, he looked kind of out of shape in the first couple, which isn't great, but also he hadn't played a game in forever. So you can't really knock him for that in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, the Brooklyn broadcast is saying all the same things that the Sacramento broadcast is going to say, you know, this Brooklyn team really needs rim protection and Noel can bring that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Guy looks lost out there, but he's literally on a 10 day contract. I think that's to be expected. The years prior uh, to get back to where he was, you know, playing significant minutes. He played 25 games with New York in 21, 22. And then really the year before that 2020 and 21, his first year, year in New York, he played 64 games, 24 minutes a night. Um, and his big thing is kind of always been rim protection. Um, the Nerlin wall is the dumbest nickname I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. I will never forget. Basketball reference is horrible, horrible for that one. Um, but first reactions to Nerlens Noel, getting signed when you see that yeah i saw you kind of uh you're kind of losing it at the whole the nerland's wall everybody just yeah, thought i would like wall. didn't understand that it was a reference to the berlin wall yeah. like i understand that people but mm -hmm. brim protector and i guess protection i don't yeah. know yeah. i don't know and then that wall eventually was torn down you know so do you want i mean i might be with it at this point that's yeah, there's so... some accuracy there well Talking about this move in a vacuum, yeah, sure. He profiles as a guy who is going to offer some rim protection, which the Kings obviously desperately need. I don't I don't think of Alex Lynn as a guy who's purely a rim protector. I think he helps with rim protection because he's just he's seven one. Like you would hope that if you are able bodied and that size and are in the NBA, you can offer some sort of rim protection. I thought in the Warrior series and and we as viewers kind of maybe sense that something like that was coming in the playoffs because Len started getting more minutes towards the end of the season and 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 looked okay at first. And then he kind of got his legs underneath him. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, the first three, four games of that series, he's on the floor for an extended period of time, backing up Sabonis and against the Warriors small ball lineup offered some really, really like invaluable rim protection, especially those first two games. Um, you know, if if Nolan Zobel can come in and if he can, if he can do that, and you know, this is assuming he finds the floor, if he gets on the court and he's able to give you something like that, then yeah, for three point one million dollars, guaranteed or unguaranteed, I think I think it's a great, you know, just buy low upside swing. I I I, I really do think this is just another move by the Kings front office that shows that they are very specific in particular about the types of players that they go out and they try to get. They know that their team has needs and they will try to find ways to address them. I know a lot of fans probably were wondering, well, why didn't they go out and get a bigger name that could add some rim protection? You know, uh, you know, and this is not just with rim protection, but also why can't they go out and get some wing defenders, right? Because the Kings obviously were sorely lacking in that department last season. I, I don't think it was lack of trying. I just don't think they found the right deal, whether it was a trade or whether it was in free agency. And so why not take a flyer on a guy who has a large sample size for his career of being a pretty effective rim protector and seeing if he has anything left in the tank. So very, very small move on the margin, but one that I 
I, I do like. And and like you said, you can bring up the 21 people in the camp now with that third two-way. It's been up to from 20 to 21. And if they bring in more bodies, you know, if they bring in additional bigs to compete in training camp, you know, maybe somebody else comes in and they they stand out from the pack and then they end up getting that backup or third center spot. But if not, then it looks like Nerlens has a pretty decent chance of making the roster as as maybe your third or fourth big. Yeah, and there's other guys um, that I'm sure will end up being a part of the conversation. They're, you know, Kada, we're going to get to how this potentially affects him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe we should just do that now, actually. Okay. Um, you could still give him a one of these training camp deals, right? Um, as of right now, he's a restricted free agent. And, um, you know, I'm not the most up to date with exactly the typical landscape and timings of two-way restricted free agency. But in mm-hmm. my, I would imagine that it's pretty telling he does not have a deal, uh, an offer sheet from another team at this point. Yeah. And, you know, there's a chance that sort of testing the market a little bit, um, albeit in restricted free agency, which has its limitations. And, um, you know, I've heard a lot recently about how players think that makes their options pretty limited um understandably but maybe testing that market makes him a little more okay with taking a two-way um mm-hmm. or he ends up somewhere else um i don't think that a training camp deal how would you feel about that like last year the training camp deal guys that get cut are quinn cook sam merrill and kent Bazemore. um how do we feel about having sabonis um len lyles who i'm kind of calling a backup five um mm-hmm. and then noel and kata in that training camp if man. it's not a two-way man i mean it's it's i mean that's an interesting group of bigs overall Is but it? kind of because you're you're looking at three guys and you're just like okay they do they do one thing. So from that group of guys who are going to be offering rim protection, like which one's going to separate himself? And then obviously you have Lyles, who's a stretch big, and then Sabonis, who's he's like one of two guys, maybe three guys in the entire league who does what he can do as a big, right? So I think it'll be interesting to see who from that group of three that are there for just their sheer size or rim protection um, separates themselves and ends up getting that third center spot. But I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like that's also excessive too. Uh, I just don't know if you need that many bigs in training camp when you can probably just on paper. I mean, even before heading into training camp, I mean, you know what these guys are all about, right? Like two of those guys are going to be in house with Kata and Len, and then Nerlens Noel. You know, like we just talked about, has a track record of being a guy who has the perception of being a rim protector. So you kind of, kind of, you, you sort of, kind of already know what these guys can do. So do you really need those guys to? To all be there, don't know. But uh, I do think that if you just pay attention to who's going to get that third big spot in training camp, I think that's a little interesting. That might be something, you know, that might be one of the little interesting battles that you could have in camp. But other than that, I, I really, I don't know. Um, obviously, Kata, <laughs> I think a lot of people will agree when we say this, he is a little frustrating to watch out there. Um, especially, you know, now this past, this past summer, it was, uh, this is that, that was his yeah. Third summer league. Yeah. yeah. So in three years of summer league against 
you know, basically fringe NBA competition or worse, depending on who you play and depending on who you ask. He didn't look all that great outside of that one game where he just took over down the stretch. And really one quarter. Like, yeah, one quarter. Exactly. Yeah. Before that, it was like, you know, what's this guy doing out there? And then over one quarter, it was like, wow, this guy absolutely took over the game, was making plays for everybody else, was changing the game defensively as well. And then he gets hurt. And that injury for him could not happen at a worse time, especially with everybody clamoring for Jordan Ford to get that last two-way spot. He might have the inside track on that now. You know, it, you know, with Nimi not being 100%, who knows what might happen. So, yeah, I'm with you, though. I think it's pretty telling that he doesn't even have an offer out there from somebody, you know, that the Kings may potentially match or not match. It's, it's, it's certainly indicative of not just the perception here within the Kings organization, but elsewhere as well. I mean, why are other teams out there not intrigued by this guy? Right. So yeah, I, I I'm, I'm with you on that. It's means something that he doesn't have an offer right now. I have a question for you. If it came down to there only being a single two way left mm-hmm. and it came down to Jordan Ford and Amiya Skata. Basically, do you hate the country of Portugal or are you more loyal to St. Mary's? I got love for Portugal. Portugal, you know, you got you got you got to think about it, man. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo is Portuguese. Jose Mourinho, one of the greatest football managers of the 21st century and former manager of my favorite club, Tottenham Hotspur. Portuguese. (laughs) You boy. So Portugal's great and all, but here's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) At the risk of having the entire country of Portugal just on our ass for letting go of Namias Keita, um, I I mean, I got to go with Jordan Ford. I mean, come on. Really? Like, actually? Yeah, yeah. I think that's I. I would easily take Mimi. It's not because I'm Portuguese. I was gonna say it's because you're Portuguese. No, no, no. Has nothing to do with it. I don't even know if I'm actually Portuguese. Last name's (laughs) Portuguese. It's complicated. Um, I would easily take Mimi. Jordan Ford's 25. Like Mm -hmm. Mimi has. Okay, so I I guess there is a conversation because I was about to say Mimi has more upside, but what? upside are we really talking about when there's Sabonis already there, right? Right. But what upside are we talking about for Ford if De'Aaron's already there? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Well, but, I, I I don't know, because because here's here's the thing. With 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 the Kings right now, you have you have legitimately just two guys. I mean, I, I we already talked about this on, on the last episode a little bit, but you have your your guys who can handle the ball and be primary initiators and even secondary initiators like in the backcourt on on the team right now. Fox, Davion Mitchell, Malik Monk, right? And Malik is not exactly a true point guard. The, the team has enough shooting guards, so obviously you're looking at that third point guard spot, like pure point guard, right, to be part of that group. I I do think that you do need a third point guard. You right. Do. I mean, last year with last year with Delhi being being the third point guard, I think a lot of people I mean, it was almost like a meme. And 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 I kind of feel bad because I honestly kind of fed it. <laughs> oh, really? Right? Oh, oh, really? Dude, yeah. I mean, you know, I, for those oh, of you yeah. who don't know, whenever everybody Matthew, shut that whenever. Yeah. Whenever Matthew Delvado would enter would enter the game, it, I would let everybody know. And 
a lot of people started referring to everybody to him. Know. Yeah, everybody who ha happens to have a Twitter account would know. And people started calling him the human victory beam, which is like <laughs> so mean to Delhi because come on, man, this guy's an actually, you know, he's an NBA player. He's on the roster for a reason, but, but also like, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if he gets into the game, it's usually out of a hand. There were moments though, where he needed to step up, right? Fox being injured. Um, Charlotte uh, game. Fox. I remember being pretty yeah, big. Charlotte game was huge. I did a, I did a thread on that and it, man, you know, Australia Oof. really loved that one. Um, but when, but in a pinch, you you do need a third point guard though. So and right I now, agree. I don't I don't really think I don't really think that if let's say Fox or Davion gets hurt and like Malik is your backup point guard, I don't I just don't think that's ideal. It's so you better need to Jordan bring Ford though. No. Yeah, but do you think that Malik is optimized when he isn't necessarily the primary ball handler in a lineup? And can play off of other guys and play off of another ball handler and another initiator yeah. on offense. I think You're so. Right. So if yeah. you put the ball in his hands and he's initiating sets, I don't know about that. You know, he has fantastic synergy with Domas. But if you look at a lot of the two-man game that they played last year, it was usually off of like second side action. So they'd run a set. They'd initiate something on on the strong side. But it would either get swung to the second side and Malik would you know run pick and roll with him or DHO with him. Or it might get swung back to the initial side. So you kind of need the defense moving in a half court set where the defense is already set and you run your first action. That's not really optimal for Malik to operate out of. He's really a guy that once the defense gets moving and they're maybe even in scramble mode, that's when I think that's when he's at his best. So that's why I just don't feel like Malik as your, you know, backup or starting point guard in a pinch is, is really ideal so you got to bring in a guy who can run the offense and you know what you watch summer league stockton the stockton kings had a lot of obviously has a lot of overlap offensively with with the big club it's the, the exact same even the if they exact, didn't exactly yeah. have the personnel to do it they tried exactly they would do it they would still do it and that and that reminds me of your typical high school team right every level of your high school program is going to be running the same stuff because this is stuff that you're going to be running like for the younger guys once they get up to varsity they're going to be running the same thing right so it was the same thing in summer league. They ran, they ran the hell out of that offense. It was like the same five foundational concepts that you saw from the Kings office, this offense this past season, Jordan Ford has been running that for an entire season plus. So you don't have to worry about him getting acclimated or anything like that. He'll be able to come in and he'll know how to run your team. So that's, that's kind of why I also lean, you know, with the whole Jordan Ford thing, aside from the fact that he's from Sacramento and went to St. Mary's. I do also like his game and think there is a lot, to what you said he's been running the offense for a while he looks comfort comfortable orchestrating and i think a underrated aspect of him being a two-way is like it's really important to have that sort of like orchestrator just for the guys that are developing in the g league like keon ellis needs a jordan ford you know mm -hmm. like your summer league team needs a jordan well, ford or a ellis frankie need, ferrari does keon ellis need anybody yeah that guy's pretty good yeah i'm so yeah so yeah, all right <laughs> uh <laughs> Anyways, backup centers is what I want to focus on here today. And we're going to, um, I didn't include Nimi in this. Maybe I should have, but I didn't, and I'm not going to. Um, we have Nerlens Noel, Alex Len, and Trey Lyles as our options here. Um, and just to talk about those being the options that are currently being debated, wanted to look at what are the other backup centers to the other all-star centers around the league. And 
spoiler alert, none of them are very good. But let's look at what it was last year, right? Joel Embiid mm-hmm. had Paul Reed and Montrezl Harrell. Paul Reed is probably going to be the best name on this list. Well, there's, yeah, he's up there, right? Um, Nikola Jokic had DeAndre Jordan, Jeff Green, Jamichael Green, I guess, and Zeke Naji. I mean, you saw what they were doing in the finals. They're rolling out Jeff Green. Try, they're trying a bunch of different... I probably went with Aaron Gordon a couple times at the five, I want to say. Um, but there's that. Uh, Miami, Bam Adebayo had Cody Zeller and Orlando Robinson. I think Yurt Savin might have been there last year as well. Um, Minnesota is a unique situation um, where... Obviously, Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, when one's not playing, the other can play the big. But there's also Nas Reed sitting there. Um, and I think that you're also going to notice with some of these that some of the options for teams that have uh, these star bigs is, okay, maybe our backup big is just a guy that can still play with our main big, but can just give you those minutes. Um, and Nas Reed absolutely fits that. I did also hear at Summer League, that the Kings really liked Nas Reed in free agency, which is interesting to me. Um, I think Nas Reed is a good player, but it's interesting to me from the standpoint of like, what does that mean? Does that mean that they think Domas can play the four? Or does that mean they think that Nas Reed can play the four? You know what I mean? I would guess Mm -hmm. it's the latter, but there's a chance it's the former. I would guess it's the latter though. Um, Phoenix. Behind DeAndre and Jock Lawndale, the Lakers. Um, St. Mary's legend. Last season, there was Mo Bamba and somebody, Thomas Bryant, who ended up getting cut. When you spend a lot of money on your starting big, you're not going to spend a lot of money on your backup big. Yeah, And I think that's the reality of this here. And there's so much talk about the backup center. And I get it. And I've been a part of it and definitely contributed to that. Um, but I mean, when you hear Mike Brown last year, very bluntly being like, yeah, I'm searching for a backup center right now. And then you bring back all the same guys. Like that doesn't make that much sense to me, but like Chimezi Metu had a positive 6.7 net rating last year. Alex Len positive 6.6. Um, and I will say on the Len thing, thought this for a little while, but wasn't sure if it, uh, yeah. The beginning of the last year for Len, like outside of basketball, I can only imagine oh. what he was dealing with, with everything going on with his home country of Ukraine or, you right. know, stories coming out of, he's not able to contact his family back home and mm-hmm. all of this going on. Um, and obviously wish the best, but with all of that going on, it, it, that in my mind, I can create some logic to why Mike Brown is talking about, I'm searching, I'm trying everything, but he tries to me Cato really for that Eastern conference road trip. Uh, before he really even gave a look to Alex Len. And you never know exactly what someone's scenario is, but it wouldn't surprise me if Len's off-the-court issues, not issues, but off-the-court things he was dealing with mm-hmm. um, played a factor in him not getting that run at the beginning because it was it didn't make sense from just a basketball standpoint of why he was never tried until the very end. Like this guy played, the first time he played above five minutes, he played five minutes and four seconds the 13th game of the year. The next time he played against f- above five minutes, just under 14 on the 32nd game of the year. The next time he plays ag- above five minutes, the 76th game until the 82nd. Like, 
from a basketball standpoint, when you were searching for a big so desperately to not even try him, it, you know, makes me curious how much that possibly paid a, played a factor. Um, and obviously wishing the best for everything with Alex Len in that situation back home. Uh, but, you know, Len, when he did play, had an impact. He played in every single um, postseason game. I guess game yeah. six, he played six and seven. He hardly played. He played like garbage time minutes, but mm-hmm. he's out there in the postseason. They clearly have a decent impression of him. And is Alex Len worse than DeAndre Jordan or like, Cody Zeller might be better, but like Jock Lawndale or Mo Bamba, you know, like he probably is, to be honest. I do think he's even of the guys we mentioned on the lower end of this, but he's not that far off, right? Yeah. Uh, by the way, Jock Landale, best name on that list. Not even close. Alex Len, though. I, yeah, I, I don't think that he's to, to have Namias Kata get called up on the Eastern conference road trip. And then to be usurped, be usurped by him on, on the death chart. I, that was kind of shocking. That was. And when I think he was called up before the Sixers game in Philadelphia, where the Kings just absolutely got demolished. And I think, I honestly think the message to him was, Hey man, you got six of them. Like just use all your fouls. And it did not look good. Right. You have another guy in Alex Len on the bench right there who does have pretty good size like why not throw him out there and who knows maybe maybe it was what it was what you were speculating with everything happening back home his mind just just wasn't right and he just you know just wasn't able to really focus on basketball the way that he wanted to um could have been but i really i'm with you i really don't think he was that bad to the point where this guy was just not he just did not play at all until the 76th game of the season essentially and then has a pretty big impact in the playoffs. If that was there the entire time, then I am really, you know, for Mike Brown to say I'm searching, I'm searching, and to not play him, you would have to think that there were other reasons beyond just basketball that caused Mike Brown to not play this guy for so long. And he's on the bench and he's on the roster when Chemezi Metu is your primary backup five. <laughs> so, so, yeah, look, nobody... And I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit in, with regards to this conversation. But look, nobody can do what DeMontis Sabonis does out there on the court. It's really just him and Jokic right now are like the two guys in the league that at the five position can do what they do. You're not expecting too much overlap there between him and the next guy backing him up. But you would think that if the guy backing him up can't give you any type of offensive overlap, then you probably should play a guy who can, can defend at least. And Alex Len's value is being seven foot, seven foot one, whatever he is, and just being able to just hold down the paint. You know, I just talked about using your fouls. Like Alex Lund will do that. You know, he'll just, he'll be able to at least be in there and just make his presence felt, you would think. But for him not to play at all, shocking, like utterly shocking. And if the Kings get the Alex Lund, the version of Alex Lund that was, you know, the game 76 and onward version of Alex Lund, I, I feel like that you in-house, you would think that they feel really, really good about their backup center option because if it's him, if it's that version of him in conjunction with, if you go small, right, Trey Lyles. Um, Which at have, this point, I'm like, Trey's a backup five. Like, yeah, maybe yeah, not solely, I, but that's right. happening. Like, he'll swing four or five and he'll play a good, a decent chunk of minutes at the five. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that as well. But if you have those two options as your backup five, a guy who can just hold down the paint and just, 
I mean, he's a very good screen setter. I thought Alex Lynn, one of the most underrated things that he did in the Golden State series, you know, on offense was he he's he's a he's a very smart screener. He would manipulate angles for guys like Monk and Fox and Davion to work out of. And I I clocked that in game five. It took me a little while, but then watching back games one and two, he was doing that as well. And, and it really was like when a guy that big sets sets a screen on you and you're a guard, I mean, it's it's not going to be easy to navigate them. And the Kings did a good good job, you know, between him and Sabonis with their screen setting and their DHO game. You know, like it, that 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 had some value um, in that Warrior series. Alex Len coming in and running the offense a little bit. You know, he's not completely you. Uh, he's not completely useless in DHO situations. So if you have him and Lyles backing up Sabonis, I think I would feel pretty good. But you know, the perfect backup center doesn't exist. They're backup for a reason, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Dwayne Dedman's not knocking on that door. Oh, exactly, man. Gosh, you know, if there was one guy who just Harry Giles is not knocking on that door. It, those two guys, you know, Harry. I really hope he gets back in the league. Um, I think it's such a positive thing that he's getting workouts. But Dwayne Dedman, man. I mean, if there was one guy that I just, if there was one guy that could just get a redo here in SAC, you know, all he needs is just a chance to just prove him, to prove himself. You know, my as, my as first King's Herald player. article um, on the fan post section was why Dwayne Dedman is the perfect fit next to Marvin Bagley. Uh, but you mentioned a little bit about Len. Um, I wanted to go through with each of these backup bigs: Noel, Len, and Lyles and do a ranking of of them in different skill sets and some of these might be a little um oversimplified when it come when it came to this but i had like eight different categories and i was like i should just try to narrow this down a little bit <laughs> uh, but that's what we're gonna go with here and what i want to start with is pick and roll defense and we're gonna rank one two and three but with pick and roll defense I want you to say what coverage you're thinking of here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, I'll, I'll give my one, two, three here, right? Uh, I went with Len at the level. I'm going to say at the level because they don't do drop, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But Len at the level and then Noel at the level and then Trey Lyles switching for my pick and roll defense ranking. Yeah, I think Alex Len is best suited in a deep drop. Honestly, right. Um, Agreed. But, I, rig- I wrote drop and then I was like, well, yeah. I don't play drop at all. They don't play drop, which honestly, I, I respect. That's putting a ton of trust in your players. And I think them not playing drop or deep drop really allowed Sabonis to showcase that he's a lot more nimble out on the perimeter than we initially thought. Uh, people were, uh, I think it was an AI generated list. I hate bringing this up, but somebody, somebody generated a list of the King's best defender. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure it was AI generated, but they said DeMontis a bonus was, and everybody started laughing. Cause it's like, okay, sure. Like, yeah, Davion Mitchell's the team's best defender, but everybody was like, so bonus, a good defender. What are you crazy? He's not as bad as you think. No, he's all right. Yeah. Yeah. And the defensive rebounding is a big part of defense. Yeah. For as sure. The Kings fans realize yeah. by now. Right. And he happened to be the NBA's leading rebounder this past season. So apparently you get go. a trophy for. Yeah, which I yeah I wasn't aware. Um, yeah, by the way, him. the reason why he you know the reason why I was able to meet Monty McNair was due in part because Demontis Sabonis was he was awarded that trophy before the game because Monty McNair would not have been sitting where he was sitting when I ran into him ran into him. Uh, had DeMontis also 
that. No shot that Monty McNair is eating whatever he said that he eats at Arby's. He had a he, Q&A on Twitter the other day. I think it was freaking Zach, or maybe it was you, asked what his No, it was, it was Keith's film room. It was KFR. Whatever. KFR what of you, what of you little shits, asked Monty <laughs> what his Arby's order would be. Dude, and this guy was, no, actually said in order. It's no, no, no it's shot. He knows about the Arby's shit. It, he has to be playing along. I refuse to believe. Yeah, it's no, too specific. Do you hear yourself all the time? <laughs> Confirmed. Monty does know about the Arby's thing because one of the first <laughs> things he asked me when I met him was, I don't understand you. You tweet about your son crying at our games. And then you tweet about working at Arby's. And then you do like a breakdown of our offense that's like really good and i'm like oh wow thanks monty but that's kind of the whole thing yeah i was like i think he I'm, understands you actually yeah i, I, I was like I no that is actually, no that is the that is the exact <laughs> purpose of my account is to not know the ops know my next move and you know you're not an op monty but you know you don't know my next move um no monty mcnair confirmed arby's enjoyer let's move on um pick DeMontis defense Sabonis. order demonta sabonis is oh, yeah. a lot better than people give him credit for on defense especially on the perimeter i'll leave it at that Len, yes, at the level. Nerlens, yes, at the level. And I would switch Trey because Trey, if you put him at the level and you don't switch that, he's the one guy of the three where if he, if there's a blow by and or if he's like at best on the guard or wing's hip, he's not he's not, he's not recovering, recovering. No yeah, he's not recovering from <laughs> no that shot. and he does he does not have the requisite wingspan or the instincts in order to affect their shot. So yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement with you on that on that. And I do think Len and Noel and even Trey can all like show and recover okay, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a decent bit. They're pretty mobile. Len is like a lot more in a straight line. When Len is going, he's got some speed to him, man. Dude. That guy could move. Yeah. It's like a it's like a pickup truck, you know, like when a Ford F two fifty is just heading down the highway. By the way, this podcast, I'm pretty sure it's not sponsored by Ford, but I'm using this as an example. Yeah, you know, like know. when those when those trucks get going, man, like it's hard for them to stop. It takes a little while for them to get going, but if you go baseline to baseline, like Len, Len, Len runs that all state line like, like a monster. Does so, jo- does yeah. Jordan Ford drive a Ford? Do we think? I would hope so. For I branding purposes, I would. <laughs> that sounds miserable, and I'm sure he gets that joke all the time. Um, next one we got. Um, this one I do feel like I kind of oversimplified. I initially had like playmaking and finishing as a role man, and then screening slash DHOs. I just put it all into pick and roll slash DHO offense. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to start with your ranking of backup centers here? And and the reason I should say real quick doing this is because I think that this is how this works, who the backup five is. It's situational. It's yes. what do you need in that moment? Exactly. Yep. It's all about matchups. It's uh, obviously in the regular season, not that big of a deal in the playoffs. Oh yeah. Everything. It's all about matchups, right? So DHO and pick and roll offense. Uh, just because we got a good sample size of it and it really didn't look all that bad. I mean, the Kings couldn't hit a shot to save their lives in that, in that warrior series outside of maybe game six, but Len was fine. Len was fine. Um, uh, overlapping a little bit with the DHO and pick and roll game. So I would go Len first. Is that shocking to you? Does that shock you a little bit? With Lyles there, yes, but like this is where the wording of this is weird and we have space, space pacing later. So yeah. Yeah, it see, makes sense yeah. to me, but I think that Lyles is like the only conversation here. Um, and his mm-hmm. DHO game's not great. His screening, he's right, right, slipping or ghosting to get his own shot. Um, and that's fine. That's what yeah. a lot of guys of his archetype do. 
Um, and it works a lot, but I don't know. The, P- the DHO game wasn't super impressive. The screening's not really there. Like right. I also thought of like, is there any like sort of short, short role playmaking with any of these guys? And it's like, maybe there's a little bit more with Lyles, but not really. None mm-hmm. of these guys really have that. Yeah. I, so that's why, so when you say pick and roll and DHO specifically, we're right. talking about, you know, like contact will need to be made with the defender who's guarding the pick and roll or the DHO. I, I would never want to get hit by an Alex Len screen. No, I'm sorry. No. Like that just, just doesn't sound fun. And the Warriors players did not enjoy that when he was, when he was doing at a quite a high level in that first round series. So I would go Len and then I would go Trey Lyles. Uh, he, yes, the slipping and ghosting is like, that's, that's a given. He's, he's obviously a good enough shooter to space the floor. So he's going to do that. He's going to flatten out or he's going to, or he's going to flare out pop, whatever to get, you know, to look for his own shot. And then, yeah, Nerland's Noel. I don't, I, 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 if, you, I if, you, if somebody can find me footage of Nerland's Noel <laughs> operating out of a dribble handoff situation, I would oh, love, God. I would love to see it. We, we yeah, might KFR, see it. KFR, KFR, uh, get on it. This, this is, this is what you're here for, man. Like, this is why we pay you the big bucks. So, Let's get on it. Let's get some. Let's get some Nolan's Noel DHO clips going. Meg, Meg did. I said Meg. Meg did shit. Shit. Jesus. Meg did say in the chat. Uh, how long has it been since anyone has seen Noel play? That she thinks it's been three years for her. Uh, that's. I, I think that most people are going to yeah. be in the same camp. Like watching yeah. those Brooklyn games, I was like, okay, I think this has been a while. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I was interested in him like as an option during the season um but again that's like as something to try right yeah um nfl sunday ticket is now on youtube and youtube tv which means that it just got easier to be an nfl fan even if you live far away like maybe you like the bears but you're hibernating in panthers territory but with nfl sunday ticket your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away specifically the distance from you to your remote control nfl sunday ticket now on youtube and youtube tv Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Now streaming. He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Who does that? Vacation Friends 2. Rated R. Now streaming only on Hulu. I agree with you. I have Len, uh, Lyles, Noel. Um, I'm interested to see what his screening looks like. I don't think it's great but I definitely need to see more. I don't think he's got a great build for screening. And I think that he is somebody that from my recollection, and you know, it's hard to take much from those Brooklyn games, but like he's not setting the strongest screen entirely through the contact, you know, probably rolling a little bit quicker um, than maybe Alex Len is. And the size difference is just ginormous between those guys. Next one. Um, let's just do the spacing and, pace now i think that makes sense um it's this one feels obvious to me it's trey Lyles, obviously but then nerland snowell and alex len because noel moves i i think that's the difference between no a big a notable difference between len and noel is that while i was just complimenting how well len moves up the floor noel is a much more like nimble guy that can take off quicker um get off the ground quicker to finish plays that was what i was gonna say is he's he would be quicker off his feet. Yeah. 
that's an easy one, two, three, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, let's do rebounding. You want to go ahead with that one? Yeah. This one's I a mean, weird one. It of. is weird, but I'll go Len because just, again, he's, he's a legit seven-footer, which is what the other two guys are not. And when he's in there, there's – I'm like DeMontis a bonus, obviously elite rebounder. There's always going to be a little bit of a drop off between the league's leading rebounder and oh, the yeah. next guy backing him up. But Len, um, you know, just being in there and being seven feet tall helps you out in that regard. So I'll go Len and then I'll go Nerlens and then I'll go Trey Lyles, uh, for the rest of my rankings. One, two, three. I, this is absolutely based off numbers and numbers alone for Nerlens mm-hmm. Noel. I'm not going to lie. Not enough film. Um, <laughs> But his rebounding numbers are pretty good, man. Like, mm-hmm. there's some per 36 years where he's, you know, 10 to 12, and, and he kind of averages, he not, averages 9.9 per 36 in his entire career. Um, seems to be a decent rebounder. I, I think when you think about his build and that get off the ground that we're talking about, you know, we might get another double jump here, is what I'm going to talk. You know, we might be just. <laughs> salivating over a double jump again this year man um but i think the athleticism the length the bounce like the ability to sort of swim around maybe guys boxing him out um could be interesting there but i i think it's pretty close with len and noel i ended up putting noel just literally like i said based off the numbers but i think what you said with len being huge and boxing out makes sense um but those two guys and then lyle's being the clear last option there uh rim protection and since we already talked about pick and roll defense, this is more of like a help rim protection, right. um, which is not maybe the most common thing for centers in today's NBA, I feel like. But there's definitely scenarios where it happens. Um, I put this is, again, where I don't really know enough about Noel to feel great about my ranking. But I went with Len because I think that his size is great. He has really good timing and really good um, verticality, I think, with the physicality as well. Um, So I went with Len and then Noel, but it wouldn't surprise me if Noel ended up being better at this. Um, It's just a lot of timing and, you know, the balance between physical and not fouling and the verticality, like that I really just have to see more from Noel before I feel great about my opinion there. But I think those guys are neck and neck. And then Lyles is just in a world of his own and not the best way. <laughs> yeah. I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think if we just got more than, you know, maybe a few dozen games out of Nerlens Noel, these last few seasons, then we would probably have a clearer picture of what he's able to do. So I would put him second behind Len as well because we saw Alex Len have an impact as a paint protector or somebody who can be a weak side uh, rim protector in the paint in the seven biggest games in franchise history, basically. You know, nothing important in the Sacramento era ever happened before the Kings Warriors series in April of 2023. And Alex Len made his presence felt in that series. And then, of course, like you mentioned, didn't play very much the last couple of games, so that's because the Kings went to a different strategy. So, yeah, I would I would rank them the exact same way. And, um, you know, maybe Trey Lyles is listening to this, and he's going to take exception to it, and he's going to say, you know what, I'm turning myself into a rim protector. Yeah, exactly. He's going to throw up the force, 
and he is going to 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 prove us wrong here as you know you and i credentialed media members covering the team you and i and and go out there and protect the paint and get even more minutes for himself as a valuable as a valuable member of that rotation next season yeah you me the hammer bros yeah um and all of the listeners out there all of our all of our media credentialed brains yep um just trey might be smarter than us it's a hot take but i will say also if trey's going into the year i don't know this is the case um but it wouldn't surprise me if trey's going into the year knowing he's going to play a lot of five Mm -hmm. maybe that means his offseason work looks a little different maybe not maybe not but like i know he cut I forget how much it was, but it was something close to like 15 pounds last year coming mm. into the year. And I think yeah. that was great. And it's really important for people in Sacramento to be in good shape. Like when Kevin Herter is talking about, I need to be in better shape, you know, yeah. because that dude is just running his ass off all the time. Yeah. Um, so it's obviously important to be in good shape, but shape, where'd that come from? Um, but maybe a little more muscle. <laughs> he could change his workout routine if, or as you said, a little, he's not a little British there. You excited I know. for the, uh, came out excited, of nowhere. You excited for the open championship golf's last major. So this year? excited. Yeah, That's golf. Royal Liverpool. Oh. Yeah, man. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Super excited. Yep. Waking up. I, I stay up from like, you know, 1am to 9am watching that every year. It's pretty crazy. I haven't slept in three days because of it. It's pretty exciting stuff. Yep. Shout out to Brian Harmon. He's 10 under right now. He's he's got a five. Wow. You actually have names. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Shout out, Brian. You're insane. Do you actually? All right. Anyways. Yes. I do. Uh, No, you don't. No, you don't. I do. I watch golf as a golfer myself. Well, I I get watching golf, but it sounded like this was some like pay to get entry type of tournament. no i have no clue no it, well it's, oh. it's it's some people refer to it as the british open but oh. the people who are really really nitpicky will say no it's called the open championship because it's it's the original golf major you know they're very they're still oh shit it, so oh i'm damn. just i'm respecting the founders of golf by referring to it i'm clearly not damn okay yeah, yeah so, i'll get educated that's on yep. me. Uh, maybe there's a movie about it or something I can watch. Yeah. Make, you should ask ask Sean about it. Sean will. Uh, um, something <laughs> condescending about that guy. I don't know. <laughs> um, last question with these backup bigs. If Demonis Bonus is unavailable for a game, rank your order of preferred starters. I'll never like to think about when Demonis Bonus would be unavailable. Yeah, and really to be clear... Every team that we listed earlier, if their center goes down, they're pretty screwed. Like, how many of these guys are really stepping into <laughs> a starting role? Like, Cody Zeller's your starting center. Mm-hmm. Jock Lawndale is your starting center. Well, uh, yeah, I would be. I Mo, would sweat if Jock yeah, Lawndale yeah, yeah, was yeah. my backup center. Mo Bamba, uh, Thomas Bryant, like Paul Reed is fine. Oh no, 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 no! no. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. We did we did we actually? We might have to correct ourselves. We were saying Jock Landale for the Suns. It's actually Drew Eubanks. Well, I was saying last year's backup. Base. Okay, last year's. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Sorry um yeah how dare you sorry Listen, next time <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> who would start if domas was hurt uh gotta be len for me yeah i and, really you're debating lyles and len here right yes like, and and the thing and with the and the reason why lyle stays on the bench for me is because that 
you even with Domas still healthy, right? Lyle's probably the first big off the bench, right? So to keep your rotational uh, minutes in order and to keep your lineup overlap and 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 just consistency kind of just like the same that's 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 who i'd go to i think i think there were times last year where like kevin was hurt or you know wasn't playing or whatever and people were like well why isn't malik monk starting um because casey is the goat okay okay well there's that too but well that's the beginning of the year but after yeah, yeah no, I think after, you're right. like yeah. terrence davis would terrence, ta- or, terrence or, davis uh, would kessler be edwards yeah. right yeah yeah so i I think knowing that that's their philosophy, even though that's a completely different position, knowing that that's their philosophy, it's probably Len. And then Lyle's, you know, since he's such an invaluable piece of your bench, remains on the bench because then you don't have to get all weird about your lineups and whatnot and and have to delegate your minutes differently because Lyle's is now starting. So, yeah, going to be Len. I agree. Those were smart words that came out your mouth. And Thanks. I agree. They don't pay me enough at Arby's with this type of vocabulary, do they? With this type of diction and prose and fucking Christ. You might need to cater to uh, the Kings front office. You know, might get some decent tips. Also, shout out to the, <laughs> I don't even know if I should shout out. These are clearly parody accounts, I guess. So oh, it yeah. doesn't matter. No. Uh, but the Monty McNair burner and the Wes Wilcox burner on Twitter. <laughs> shout out to your commitment. All right, Dude. the jokes. I'm not gonna lie. Maybe you could use a little bit of work. You, you clearly fans of yourself, Drew. I, I don't know. Um, got your type of humor going on here. Um, they are hilarious, and the they are are just constant memes. Um, where was I going? You don't remember? Strong. Uh, uh, Alex I Lennon think... would would be starting in. Yeah, in, in so the, I agree with moment. you. Um. And I don't have anything else, so I just want to move to an overtime segment, uh, which I don't know if I've done overtime with you, Drew, but I overtime would be a non-basketball-related topic to close out the episode. And I did a lot of cleaning of my place recently um, mm-hmm. because I've been in a lot of different places. So since I've been here a handful of days, i got to get a lot of cleaning done. And uh, so my question is, what is the worst household chore? Mm. man i mean i i i do hate cleaning man like just general <laughs> so everything like, like just, it can be tough yeah are you like a it builds up over time for sure and then one day like fuck I should yeah because really because i i do consider myself to be pretty organized pretty clean person as far we can as see with your background yeah yeah you know yeah there's not there's nothing going on back there at all you know because i'm such a clean and organized person but yeah i i do let things build up whether it's like mail bills like even something as small as that i'm like oh my god i gotta sift through all this mail to like make sure i'm throwing away the right stuff and shredding the right stuff and then when it comes to clothes and just other like items and personal belongings that i kind of just toss aside temporarily i put it there temporarily quote unquote and then it just stays there for an extended period of time then I gotta clean it all up. Yeah, it 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 stinks, man. Just like cleaning, just anything, just sucks. Like I don't mind doing laundry. Um, no, that's the one. That's the one. I like. I understand that it's not that bad, but I dread it every time. I think I spent the last two nights only using half my bed because I just had clothes laying there. Like Dude. I can I can do the whole you know washer dryer. I get it out. I lay it out on my bed and everything. It's the <laughs> hanging of the shirts. I don't know why. 
I don't know why, but it'll sit there forever. It will move from the bed, like you said, place it temporarily, right? I'm going to mm-hmm. do this before I go to sleep tonight. Then, oh, shit, I'm tired. I'm going to get up uh, from probably right here and realize my clothes are right there and put them on this chair and then go to bed, wake up in the morning, move them back onto the bed, and you know, maybe more days than I'd like to admit. I have never been a clothes on the bed kind of person because my mom used to beat the hell out of me for not folding my clothes right away. So I, <laughs> fair. I don't. I, okay, and I don't. My mom didn't actually beat the hell out of me. I'm just saying, like, she was very, very like. That's one of the things that I definitely got from my mom. It's like she's very clean, very like when you're doing a task, like get it done right away. Especially when it comes to, like housekeeping and house cleaning type of stuff. Dude, she would be on my ass about it. And I I would just do it right away because I just wouldn't want to deal with her just nagging me all the time. And so now it's just become like that's just who I am. As soon as I, as soon as the laundry comes out of the the dryer, I am I am hanging it up or folding it right away and I'm putting it away because I, I wish. Just don't want to deal with it later. Yeah, I wish that's, that's 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 how I am. Yeah. So how's dishes for you? Dishes all right? Yeah, dishes are cool. Cause I cause I, I get They're satisfaction. I get satisfaction out of, you know, oh, hey, this was dirty. And now I've just made it very clean. You mm. know? And then I put it in the dishwasher. And oh, then, wow. Yeah. You know, so. Sure. You know, there's, there's a clear goal there and you achieve it. And then you put it in the dishwasher to make it even more clean. You know, it's cool with me. So not that big a deal. Yeah. Um. You have a segue back in a basket, like back to to close it off. I was trying to think of a creative segue. Well, well no I, I washing. I, I got one. I got I got one for you. You did mention it a little bit uh, in our conversation before this. The athletic piece on Monty McNair. That is that right. Conversation that Sam Amick was it? Was it Sam Amick and Anthony Slater? Or was it just Sam? It was okay. Uh, Amick and Slater, from my understanding. Fantastic insight into the front office. Obviously, all the stuff in that article I already knew about because Monty and I talk all the time. He always tells me his philosophy with free agency trades, the draft and all that stuff. It's like obviously news to you guys, not to me because he and I are best buds, but just, just outstanding work. Like I don't think, and look, there have been moments before where we have gotten insight into the Kings front office. I thought the most, just the most, like one of the biggest slaps in the face that I've ever seen from the athletic as a Kings fan was, was in 2018, 2019, when the Kings won a whopping 39 games, Sam Amick mid season when the Kings were playing well, or at least record wise, they're doing well, did a, did a, did an interview with Vladi Divots and Vladi in that interview was so condescending. And so just, he was like, Oh yeah. Kings, right. Sam Kings, you know, like these, these people don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Obviously they don't. It's just like, dude, calm the hell down. You haven't done anything yet. You haven't even made the playoffs. And you ended up not making the playoffs. And then you made a few moves that year that kind of laid the foundation for you being whisked away and being, you know, having your job taken from you, essentially, or losing your job. So when The Athletic did that, I was like, wow, I really wish I did not read that article because it just kind of pissed me off. Because Vladi Divac loved what he did for the team as a player, but as an executive so underqualified for that position. So whenever I read these pieces, I always kind of go in with, you know, like, okay, yeah, this is going to be some insight, but I take it with a grain of salt. Reading that article that just released on The Athletic, I'm like, wow, thank you so much, King's Ownership, for hiring competent people (laughs) who have a thought process, who 
who have been around the league as executives have been a part of front offices before and are taking everything that they learned. And both Wes Wilcox and Monty McNair have both had a lot of success as a part of front offices before they got to Sacramento, taking what they learned there and then bringing it here to Sacramento. It, it was, it was great work by Sam Amick and Anthony Slater. Uh, I hope every Kings fan that read that piece enjoyed it. If you weren't able to read it, let me know. I'll screenshot it for you because I have an athletic subscription and I'll just send it to you. And Thank, just thank goodness, man. Just thank goodness that there's, at least from the outside looking in, there's competent leadership there in the front office. And I mean, you know, they won 48 games this past season and won a Pacific Division title. It seems to me that they're fairly competent given that fact. Yeah, I think they're doing all right. Um, but it was cool to see even just Monty give this sort of access um, to two guys that were guaranteed to just totally smash it. Um mm-hmm. And, and they did, Slater and Amick do great work. And there were some interesting things, you know, him talking about just sort of confirming the belief in internal development, definitely mm-hmm. existing in this group and just slobbering all over Keegan Murray, um, <laughs> yeah. understandably so. Uh, but also talking about, you know, kind of memeing the like, well, I, he was viewed as a safe pick at the time, but saying that they really didn't view him that way. Um, right. That you know, referenced in the article, he was number one or two in the country in scoring at Iowa, um, which is something I think he he ended up talking about. He ended up being number two. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, I would guess they wouldn't say one or two if he was one. They, I, I loved the fact that they, because the way that Keegan played this past season for the Kings is, is, which is not the way he played his sophomore year at Iowa at Iowa. When your job depends on winning games, like you're going to put your players in the best positions to win you games. And Keegan Murray with his just size and his just his freakish talent and athletic ability and his skill, obviously like he was best suited at the college level. Again, if you're trying to win games around the basket, like they ran so many punch sets for him, they would just try to get him as many post or mid touch uh, mid post touches as possible. And he scored a ton of points from that eight to 10 foot area because he was just too big and just too skilled for a lot of college players to handle. I do think that, when Monty says we didn't expect him to shatter the all-time record for a single season three-pointers made by a rookie, I, I I do believe that to an extent because they knew he could shoot. They knew that he could, you know, he could let it fly. But the thing is, is he he wasn't best suited there in college. So it doesn't shock me to hear that he and Wes and the rest of the front office, maybe the entire organization were kind of surprised, like, wow, this kid can really shoot the hell out of the ball. Like I, I don't think I would have had Keegan Murray, elite three point shooter from day one on my on my bingo card for for this season because of the way he played at Iowa. And if you watch the state from Iowa, it'll confirm to you like he was not out on the perimeter very much. He was definitely within that you know ten to fifteen foot range. That's where he did most of his damage. Sometimes on the block, for him to come in and make two hundred six three pointers, that definitely was a shock to me as well. So I do believe it when Monty says that. And now you can go to some of that inside game. Like, I, I think we'll start to see some of those punch sets and like yep. the post-ups, you know, at the time I'm like, well, this doesn't like, this isn't a direct translation. If anything, this is just a display of his good touch. Right. But like now I'm like, no, nah, there's some, he's got mm-hmm. some wiggle, man. He's got yeah. some wiggle. Um, And I, I think that's something you could explore a little bit. Um, They also talked about how they love Sasha. And I think that um, it was interesting to me to hear the aspect of like they lost a heartbreaker in the EuroLeague finals. And mm-hmm. that made the Kings front office go like, oh, man, he's going to want to go back. <laughs> right. I didn't even consider that at the time, but makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, they're obviously extremely to have Sasha here. And then the other 
I think most notable part is Monty pointing out that like this whole team pretty much is locked up for a while that like, it's just echoing what we've been saying and, and clearly seeing it's, it's just about being patient. Yeah. Right. They're waiting for the right guy. They're not going to take a swing just because now is when we're supposed to take this step. Yep. It's like, no, there's routes to internal improvement. Like De'Aaron could absolutely get better. There's that graphic that goes around all the time of uh, him compared to Steph at age 25. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, obviously Steph is a major outlier and De'Aaron is very reliant, not reliant. Like he's bad at other things. He's great in a lot of aspects, but his athleticism is a big part of his game. Yes. Um, but he absolutely could take a jump like Malik Monk, Kevin Herter, Davion Mitchell is going into year two. Keegan Murray is the one everybody's expecting a jump. Um, Trey Lyles could, you know, uh, maybe get better at his role. That's probably a little bit of a stretch. I mean, it's not anybody could get better. Really is, is sort of the point. And all these guys are young enough to believe in that. And these guys are locked up for a little while. Um, moving off of Rashawn gives you flexibility beyond just this off season. You get next off season with Malik Monk as well, becoming a free agent. And I think there's importance there. Um, but a lot of this is locked up and it's just going to be impression. I got it is sort of just, again, confirming what we've already thought that like, it's just waiting for the right guy. Who is your Aaron Gordon that you're going to go get, you yeah. know? Um, and it's not that simple necessarily. They're different mm -hmm. teams, obviously, but everybody's locked up. They feel good about that internal improvement. And until they see an opportunity, I think they're very, um, advantageous and like to wait for scenarios where absolutely um they feel like they can sort of pry on and you're in a decent spot right now yeah i look at the dorte acquisition yep you know look at a couple of years ago at the trade deadline terrence davis he, he he bought low on guys that that as rookies kessler kessler right like these guys uh, these guys all were you know either first round pick. So in the cases of, um, I'm sorry, one of them is, was a lottery pick Dorte. And then the other two, uh, Kessler and Terrence Davis were rotation players. And Davis was a second team, all rookie selection. Well, those guys fell out of favor and Monty said, Hey, what the heck you, you're not giving up much. You're not mortgaging your future for any of those moves. And they may seem like little moves on the margins, but you know, look at what, look at what that could potentially yield you, right? Like the upside there, is it far outweighs the cost that you're giving up to get them? As Sasha even Sasha was acquired for the I think like the 54th pick or whatever it was yeah. in the 2022 draft, right? So, and he's he's coming over and and is, is expected to make a, a huge contribution this coming season. So yeah, I, I I reading that article obviously they have a process, they have a philosophy, they have a plan that they follow, and they really don't deviate from it very often. And, and I think just that, just that, just that alone is fantastic. You know, I, uh, Sam Vecini, shout out to Sam Vecini, my good friend, and Andrew Schlecht on one of their recent episodes of the Game Theory podcast were talking about, I posted the clip of, of them talking about how Keegan has way more upside than they initially thought. And uh, I think Sam, uh, he issued an official apology to the Kings fan base because he did a an article doing a redraft of the 2022 NBA draft, and he had Keegan actually lower than where he was selected, even after an outstanding rookie year. And he said, hey, guys, like, don't kill me. I'm just doing this based on upside. And he says if he could do it over again, he probably would rank Keegan a little bit higher because Keegan showed him some things at Summer League. Um, in that same conversation, though, 
about Keegan Murray, Andrew Schlecht said, the Kings, did they get better this offseason? Maybe, but they mostly stayed the same. And staying the same after winning 48 games and winning a a Pacific Division title and making the playoffs for the first time in 17 years, that's really good for the Sacramento Kings. You're literally still in the process of changing your, like, league-wide perception. Yeah. So that's, like, exceptional (laughs) for the Kings to just be kind of the same. Like, who knows how many games you're going to win this upcoming season. But you've brought back basically your entire core, right? You're running, you're quote unquote running it back. You're adding, you're adding some guys on the margins. That's fine. You know why? Because for 16 years, you could not have the same consistency season to season, you know, and with groups of players and coaches and executives that could yield you some success. You just had a taste of some success. You can afford to do the same thing. And as the Sacramento Kings of all teams, just being kind of the same is totally fine. And I thought that was a great point by Andrew Schlecht. So, yeah, I, I think I think that the front office having a clear vision or just having a clear plan and having a clear philosophy is just such a big, big deal here in Sacramento because you cannot name too many. Fr- you can't name a single front office outside of the regime led by Jeff Petrie that, that could say that in Sacramento. So, yeah. And there are often situations where players want out of where they are and that leaves their current team with low leverage. Um, even just seeing like Sacramento was a team that Beal would have been willing to waive his no trade clause for it. We're never going to, I mean, who knows the next time we see another thing like that. Uh, never, but we're never going to see it. Right. But there's times that guys maybe don't want to be there or teams feel like it's best to move on. And, and you can capitalize at a lower price point than what maybe that guy typically should be worth. Um, and I think the Kings are sort of sitting and waiting for what they view as the right opportunity. And I think that uh, that patience is a good thing. It's good to see. Um, maintain and improve is Monty McNair's wording all the time. Mm-hmm. And you can't do the latter without the former. So that's all I got. Um, I do see on the side of ESPN here that Kemba Walker signed a one-year deal with AS Monaco. And I'm actually oh. randomly really excited to watch Kemba play EuroLeague basketball. And Monaco's a good team. Uh, yeah, they got Chima Maneki, dude. Yeah, I think Chima is going to end up somewhere else. Um, oh. But they did have Chima Maneki. Yeah. Um, and I think they have, um, oh, shoot. Mike James. Oh, yeah. I think that's right. And he's a killer in the EuroLeague. EuroLeague legend. I think so. He has to be going somewhere else or something if he's going with uh, Kemba, right? I don't know. I'm going to be able to find out right now. But it's, I mean, he was Monaco. I don't, he must, he might still be on the team. He's like borderline MVP caliber, so I'd be shocked if he's yeah. Mike, I remember on. when Mike James. I remember when Mike James was acquired like midseason in the NBA, uh, one year by a team. I forget who it was, and like people mm. were weren't like I, I. I think the club that he was playing for in Europe at the time was like not thrilled. <laughs> obviously, yeah, losing your player, losing one of your key players for the stretch run, right? But um, yeah, that guy, freaking Euro League legend. Him and you know he'll go down, he'll go down in in Euro League history the same way that uh, and he was actually mentioned in that athletic article Sergio Yule a guy who never came over here to the United States even though he had plenty of interest and uh the Kings were hoping that Sasha Vizenkov was not going to go the Sergio Yule route 
he didn't. He's a Sacramento King. So he didn't. He went the Arvidas bonus route. Yep. Um, funnily enough. So yep. now he he's went here. The, he went the Nikolai Shidis Vili route. And now uh, Olympiakos can maybe try to make their offer for Nikola Miritich to step into that spot. And Isaiah uh, Cannon yeah. can battle it out with, oh my God. with Isaiah Walker. Isaiah Jake. Cannon, one of my favorite random college hoopers ever, man. At Murray he, he State. He replaced Tyler Dorsey on their roster last season. Tyler Dorsey. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> these names are crazy because these are like some of my favorite college players like ever. Like They're just random guys to most people. But to see them killing it in the EuroLeague is, and just across Europe is so cool. There was, um, this will be my last thing. There was a shit, and I can't remember his name. There was a G League game I was at, and it was this guy from, uh, why do I want to say it's like North Charleston? Um, he was a point guard who was. Yeah, yeah. I, I, God, I know who you're talking about. Dude, I love the about. time of the draft. Um, he was, oh, was um, driving me crazy. Yeah, this is, no, we can't, we can't end the episode, we can't end an episode like this. Um, is it Charleston? Is that the right? Yeah, it was. It was. It was College of Charleston. Um, Grant Riller. Yes. Yeah. Literally, he just popped up on he, my page. He Grant was Riller. the most like at the G League watching a Stockton game, being like, "Oh my god, that's Grant Riller! I forgot yeah. about that guy." Not gonna lie, he sucked. But <laughs> <laughs> he was so fun in college, though. He yes, was, he was awesome in college. I was a big believer. I was a big. Same believer. here. Just same here. Same yeah. here. Just. Yeah, I don't. I don't miss very often with my draft evaluation. Facts. He's he's, yeah. he's 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 one of the guys that I was yeah. so wrong. Dude, the Kings are full of lottery picks, by the way. Alex Len and Nerlens Noel, back to back picks, five and yeah. six. Yeah, I saw that Meg, Meg in the yeah. chat pointed it out. Shout, Shout out, out Meg, for pointing that out. Yeah, pretty cool. But yeah, any other BS that you got? No. Uh. Well, th- so this is not BS. This actually hits home for me. Uh. The Vietnamese women's national soccer team has made the world cup for the first time ever. That is the first Vietnamese team men or women for soccer uh, to ever make a a competition, like the premier competition for their respective sport and gender. So uh, really, really big deal. Vietnam is soccer crazed. Absolutely Mm -hmm. soccer crazed. Last time I was there was when I was like 12. So this was a long time ago. You know, that was in like 1974. I'm kind of old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you walk down the street, everybody is kicking a soccer ball around. You know, it's it's such a huge deal. And they have made it far in competitions in Asia with their U23 and like their U21 teams. And when they win, like the entire country gets shut down. They just like celebrate on the street. It's unbelievable. Um, I've seen them make one championship game ever. And that was like a U23 Asia Cup or something like that, like six years ago. And it was like a national holiday in Vietnam when they got to the final. They didn't even win. They they got runners up. It was a huge deal. So for the women to make the World Cup for the FIFA Women's World Cup here in 2023, huge deal. My family, so excited. Game, as of right now, the game is going to start in about a half hour here. Uh they get to the World Cup for the first time ever, and their reward immediately is to play. Yes, that's right. You guessed it. The back-to-back defending champions, the United States of America, in their very first game. I think they're going to shock the world. Clip this. Chat. Clip it. And post this. Save the receipts. Vietnam is walking away with at least a point today against the United States of America. If they do, I will cry. Um, I'm pretty sure my dad will cry, and all my family members will as well. But you know, we're here rooting on the ladies of the Vietnam women's national soccer team. So 
I will be going back and clipping this with the national anthem uh, played over it. Um, no hate to Vietnam. Uh, I think it's great what you laid out how the yeah. country gets behind them. But uh, America, baby, we're taking this. Yeah. Look, here's the thing. I I don't I don't know. I'm not going to be able to cheer when I watch the game today. Obviously, I'm I'm rooting for the United States. Like, come on. But yeah, I I all jokes aside, I think. I think, yeah. uh, and the athletic actually wrote an article about the Vietnam women's national team and how everybody on that team, they're already legends. It doesn't matter. They're yeah. probably not going to get to the knockout round. doesn't matter. The fact that they made it there, such a huge deal. And, uh, just want to say my congrats to them before they probably lose like seven, nothing here in about three minutes. So hopefully it's not bad. Um, it's a cool story. I, it, it would be. As somebody that honestly does not keep up enough to really be like super hyped that the women's uh, U.S. women's team won, I think an mm-hmm. upset would probably uh, catch my attention a little bit more oh. from an outside standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, we do also have some Kings coaches coaching FIBA basketball. We have Lindsey right. Harding coaching the women's national team for Mexico, so and cool. so super cool. dope. And the um, Jordy Fernandez is coaching the canadian team he is the head coach of the canadian national basketball and that team like they might be bringing the best team like the u.s team's nice but like canada's bringing most of their guys yeah Um, and when you got sga and jamal murray as your backcourt it's like all right yep yep so yeah that'll that'll be that'll be that'll be a fun thing to to monitor and to, and to watch for sure. And, and yet another opportunity for Jordy to showcase his brilliance and probably he's going to, he's going to be head coach next summer. I think it's all but guaranteed at this point. Eventually, so he's going to yeah. be, yeah, he's going to be hired the next time, you know, the, the coaching cycle opens up. So, and he deserves it. Um, oh, 100%. It's weird to me how all that works. Like, how is he coaching that? Can it, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. No, it's especially with Jay Triano right there. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, a former coach, a former yeah. head coach of the Canadian national team. Yeah. I yeah, I it's 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 wild in you know, we were just talking about soccer. There there were times where like these very, very revered, like notable soccer coaches will coach a club team and then also be simultaneously be coaching a national team. The last time that happened was with Antonio Conte. He he was coaching the Italian national team and Chelsea at the same time. It's like, what? How do you have the time? But these guys are obviously psychopaths. You you don't go into coaching these high level sports unless you're just absolutely insane. So uh, it, it shouldn't shock me. But I just can't wrap my head around the fact that that's even a thing. Yeah, agreed. Are you wearing a uh, um, Dradas over t shirt right now? Yes, sir. Shout out to my guy Figs, man. Uh, this is uh, the shout out Figs twenty two. Kings are back twenty two twenty three. Kings are back version of uh, his collection drop and uh yeah dude he you know i'll relay the message for him he's very grateful for everybody who like reached out looking to buy a shirt anybody who actually was able to buy a shirt like that guy's cell phone was ringing off the hook for three days so he's obviously very very excited about the fact that his shirt ended up on national television and now everybody in sacramento wants one so um shout out to figs man shout out to figs man Pretty dope. Well-deserved. Um, that's going to do it. That's all I got. All Drew's got. And 
there is still plenty of more work. Caitlin Cooper just hopped on with Tony Zipteris at the King's Herald to give her perspective on and she's the Chris best. Duarte. She, she literally anything excellent. she touches turns to gold. It's I ridiculously good. Could listen to her talk about basketball literally all day. One of the best episodes of the Game Theory podcast ever was when Bisnini had her had her on last summer, and they talked about the Halliburton and Sabonis trade. And I've never, I have not, I have not heard a conversation between two smarter people talking about that trade and how it could work out well for both teams. And a lot of the stuff that she said on that podcast was a lot of foreshadowing for what ended up happening with the Kings. Literally anytime somebody mentions Caitlin Cooper, they talk about how amazing she is. Like every single time I see it and it is extremely well-deserved. Yeah. Um, So check that out on the Kings Herald and all the other great content there from the guys and gals on that site, myself included. Um, take a look at their Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again next couple days.